Well, I mentioned that our good friend Yossi Baumol had a very interesting Shabbat, as I believe hundreds of people had. We had heard about two flights. Well, for those of us who experienced the weather in New York on Thursday, um, I can't even begin to tell this international audience what the weather was like. I can't even begin to tell you what it was like. So many terrible situations. But anyway, so we, we, we thought the inevitable would happen, of course, that there would be, you know, it was Thursday, so there would be problems with Alal flights going back to Israel. And sure enough, two flights took off late, quote-unquote late. One went to Athens and one went to Tel Aviv. I don't know what happened in Tel Aviv. I'm assuming that people were taken care of in the airport. I assume. I have no idea. Uh, also, it is walking distance, quote-unquote, you know, not for everybody, but for some people it is walking distance to some some areas. Uh, but our good friend Yassi Baumol, who's with Yeshivat Makor Chaim, I believe, uh, he, uh, he was on that flight that uh, stopped in Athens and and uh, didn't tra- and, uh, and everybody who was there stayed, of course, until after Shabbos, until they were able to get to Israel. Yassi Baumol, shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Shalom uvracha. It's been a while. How are you doing, Nachum? Certainly has been a while. Am I right, Yeshivat Makar Chaim? Yes, yes, still there. We haven't finished building our campus, so I'm still working here. Oh, I look forward to my next trip. I want to see the progress, and uh, I remember you showing us the area where it was going to be built, and it's just an unbelievable area of the uh, Gush, so continued Hatzlacha with that. So you're in the United States on Thursday. Uh, take us through it. What happened? So on Thursday, um, I had a uh, work meeting in Manhattan at 11 o'clock, and because I had another person with me, I let him do the, He wasn't going back. I did not show up for the meeting because I wanted to make sure that I would beat the snow and get to the airport on time, which I did. Uh, however, the pro- main problem of the whole story is that the stewardesses didn't get there on time because their Taxis came at the regular appointed time. They needed one leave one minute early, and they were so thoroughly surprised by the fact that snow slows down traffic in New York City that they arrived five hours later or so, four hours later. I'll tell you exactly. Ah, so the problem. So, so the problem is to take, what, what time is what? what Six thirty. Yeah. They announced that boarding would start at eight thirty. It started at a quarter to nine, which means forty-five minutes before the flight, we would have taken off at nine thirty. That means. They came at least three hours late, if not more. That's the beginning of the story. The rest, I've been in, in this kind of stuff before. I've been on planes that had to be de-iced, and it takes time, et cetera. That's fine. It takes an hour or two more. Okay. But the fact that they came over three hours late made it impossible to do anything normal. And that, from then on, it just went from bad to worse. All right. So, what t- so uh, am I right or wrong that at some point you are told that you're going back to the gate, and instead of actually going back to the gate, they, they took off. Is that correct or incorrect? That is not only correct, but we also have the conversation with the uh, tower saying that he's discussing going back, and then all of a sudden then he takes off without warning, without, you know, they go around making sure your, your seatbelts are buckled. They did it three times before because, you know, they were moving right. around. But I don't, just, I don't get that. Has anybody explained that? Has anybody explained why? They can't just take the people that want to stay in New York for Shabbat back to the gate? I'll explain to you why. It's very simple. That's one thing that I understood from the beginning they couldn't do. Because because of security reasons, you are not allowed to have a suitcase on a plane 
without the person on the plane. I don't know if you've ever had this experience when you've gone the flight and you're looking for one last passenger who put his suitcases on already. What they do is they take everything off and look for the suitcase and take it off because the passengers and because maybe there's something suspicious in the suitcase. So that's a rule all through the year that one cannot get off without their suitcase. Ah, so when they told you they're going back to the gate, you just assume they're scrapping the flight for now. Delay, which really would have been unfair, so that I could understand. So when you when they told you they're going back to the gate, you just assume they're scrapping the flight for now? Uh, yes. That's Got what it. Everybody thought. I have Got to it. honestly tell you, when he said in Hebrew, I'm going back to the station, my impression was that he meant his slot for right. takeoff. Right. Because I don't know what that meant exactly. But afterwards, people, we got a hold of the uh, conversation with the tower, and he did indeed uh, talk to them about coming back to the gate. So he meant really going back to the gate, and that's what everybody else assumed he was talking about. So why didn't he go back to the gate? Why did he take off? For the reasons that I told you. First of all, if the plane stays in, in New York for Shabbat, then Allah loses a ton of money because they can't bring the, the plane won't be in Israel to come back. That's why they flew anyway and got the plane as close as possible to Israel and landed in Athens. By the way, if, um, 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 Elal is a Shomeret Shabbat, a company that keeps Shabbat. But as soon as they got rid of the, uh, the uh, pe- people on the plane, the plane and our luggage flew on Shabbat to Israel. Interesting. Okay? And then they ordered a Yisrael plane to come from Israel to pick up the non-religious people who were in the airport and take them back once again on Shabbat. In other words, Yisrael is the Shabbos guy. <laughs> now, one second, Yossi Balmos with us from Israel. What's happening on the plane from Kennedy to Athens? In other words, at this point, anybody who's Shomer Shabbos realizes this is going to be a problem? When they announced finally that we're landing in Athens? Oh, you didn't even you didn't even know? Oh, you, you So you, you thought originally you were going to Tel Aviv? And they announced it? Of some, course. Oh, so, they only announced it about two to three hours before... We landed. Actually, there were some smart people who noticed the plane was flying at a tremendously high speed of 650 kilometers per hour and it had a certain projected landing time that was late. And then it slowed down and the landing time got early. And there were already people suspecting that we weren't going to land in Tel Aviv, but they didn't tell us until about two hours before the end of the flight. But would you have made it on time if the flight would have continued at 650 kilometers per hour? Would you have made it to Tel Aviv before candlelighting? It was close. It, was, it would have been close, and we might have landed after show. But if I have to point out, by the way, the halacha is whether you're on a ship or on a plane, and it's, Shabbat is coming, you're supposed to continue on to your port that you're aiming to go to, and then you can stay, you have to stay either in the building or within 2,000 amot. You can't walk right. in the like community. You can't do that. Right, wouldn't you, you have, have to stay within 2,000 amot or yes, inside see. the building? And we begged... Not only me, not only other, other what they call so-called modern orthodox, but many Haredim told the stewards that we'd rather land even on Shabbos. Let us be Moser Nefesh, that we could be in the terminal on Shabbat, so that we don't have to cause three times as much Kibbutz Shabbat by having Yisrael go back and forth. Correct. And that's also disturbing I, the Shabbat of our fellow Jews who keep Shabbat a bit differently than us. They also have the Shabbat. I would have assumed that that is what everyone would have requested. Get to, get there even if it lands on Shabbat. They'll stay in the airport. And and by the way, knowing the way things work in Israel, 
I'm sure they would have been prepared in the airport to 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 make sure everybody uh, who's staying in the airport for Shabbat has what they need. I would bet that would have happened anyway. Just do the math. Two tzaddikim, Mendel Hendel and his wife in Athens, prepared a meal for 170 people. Three meals, look, two and a half meals for 170 people, like in a fancy hotel, with a few hours warning. Kfar Chabad is right next to the airport. Yeah. The entire Kfar Chabad would have cooked for us and bought the food. It would have been no problem whatsoever. Uh, Yassi Balmo's with us. All right, by the way, was there violence or were there physical threats on the plane or not? There was no violence whatsoever. The picture that was taken of a young man who they called Haredi, even though he was wearing a baseball cap back on, backwards on his head, who is a, uh, he doesn't want to be identified, but he's a senior surgeon. And, uh, and he, I asked the guy on the, I, sitting next to him when he, when he was out of, out of hearing range, and his partner in the seat said he did not raise a fist, he did not threaten, and he did not hit anybody. He made a, some kind of gesture with his hand, and they took the picture, and that was it. All right. You land in Athens. How long is it before Shabbat? Who? I mean, there were all kinds of people who were not happy, and justifiably so. Yeah, of course. You land in Athens. How long before Shabbat? We landed in Athens. Thank God, Athens, although it's the same time zone as Israel, it's, it's much more to the west, and therefore Shabbat started at... The uh, skier was at 5.11. We landed about an hour before skier. And we had time at, for a shower. And at this point, at, at, at this point, I assume they're putting you in a hotel at the airport. Is that accurate? Yes. The hotel is literally 50 feet from the uh, exit of the airport. You just walk across the street and you're there. And how, how, do the, how, do the, uh, how does the Chabad couple now at this point coordinate with you and everyone else to, to, to give you the Shabbos schedule? <laughs> Well, basically, they, they spoke to one or two people who were uh, in the group, and they told them not to worry, and, and, and the hotel was giving out the rooms. They were busy cooking till the last second, so we didn't really see them when we came into the hotel. But uh, What was Shabbos like, Yassi Baumel? Shabbos, I, in the Dvar Torah that I gave Shabbat afternoon, uh, which I will, I'm publicizing in different places, I, I, I compared it to my experience in Uman this past Rosh Hashanah. It was unbelievable. People were singing, were hugging each other, were friendly from all walks of life. It was, it was fantastic. It was just one inspiring Shabbat. And uh, you have to understand that the people working in the hotel are looking at us, thinking that we should have a miserable weekend stuck away from home, not going to Uman. They see us singing and dancing. It was just unbelievable. Unbelievable is right. Wow. <laughs> were, were you able to fly Saturday night to Israel? Yes, we were. But once again, because of financial considerations, they didn't schedule a flight until uh, 1130 at night. Wow. Uh, because uh, the earlier you fly, the more it costs them on a Saturday night. How, long, how, how long does it take to fly from Athens to Tel Aviv? An hour and a half. That's including taking off and landing. Right. I'll tell you, everyone's talking about this. Uh, what, what happened, by the way, with the other flight? Do you have any idea if, uh, if people, in fact... Yes, what happened was, is uh, I'm guessing two, uh, uh, two things happened. First of all, maybe there were smarter people who understood that, you know, according to Havalach, he's supposed to continue and just land and, and stay there in the, in the... But they found an excuse. There was somebody who was not feeling well. It was a question of Pikuach Nefesh. And therefore, they continued on to Tel Aviv, as if there were no doctors in Rome or in uh, Athens or any other place. Uh, but they continued on to Tel Aviv, and I assume that the people, the religious people on the plane stayed in the terminal until after Shabbat, and I'm sure they were taken care of as well. Right. Very interesting, I'll tell you. <laughs>
all the things you hear about these episodes that are simply not true are, are pretty, I don't know, in some ways disturbing, frankly. To think that- you have to understand the whole thing started because a gentleman named Shimon Sheves, who was the chief of staff for Yitzchor Rabin, was on the plane. He was, the one, he was never one who really liked religious people in the first place. And he posted these horrible things, uh, and no religious person could respond until after Shabbat. We didn't know what was going on, but we already were murderers and thieves and animals, you know, in the Israeli media for like, you know, three quarters of Shabbat because we couldn't respond. We didn't know about it altogether. And that's how this whole thing started. And Al Al bought his version of the story. It was one of the ladies who was yelling like a crazy, they bought her version also. There were many non-religious people who posted on Facebook and wrote letters saying that the religious people were wonderful and it's not their fault, and it's Al's fault, etc., etc., etc. Wow. I, there was somebody else besides you that I knew on the flight. I can't think of who it was. Do you have any idea who I might be? I think you must have known half the plane. <laughs> Ketzler was, Ketzler oh, was that's there. who it was. It was right? Um, Ketzler was there. <laughs> Ketzler was there. Moshe Batish was there. <laughs> if you know who that is. Yeah, from sure. Ofra. Yeah. Um, uh, Jesse Horn from Yeshiva Dakota. Ah, Rabbi um, Horn. All kinds of people. I mean, we all know each other. It was basically, you know, three quarters fundraisers and one quarter donors. It was a little <laughs> interesting, the situation. <laughs> You find anybody who wants to build the yeshiva in the gush, or uh, you didn't find anybody yet? <laughs> no, not yet. We'll uh, keep looking. Uh, it was unbelievable, Shabbat. It was really, really uh, special. Well, I, just with the people that you mentioned, I can imagine, not just the singing, I can imagine the Divrei Torah that was shared at a Shabbat like that. We had like great that. people there. There were, these, there were the Lithuanians and Hasidim and people who were barely orthodox. I took upon myself to be a roommate of, a, of an elderly gentleman who was not doing too well, who came with his sister and his niece, and, uh, and uh, he wasn't even religious. But he came along with them, so he, he had to, to stay with them. And I said, you know what, I'll take care of him over Shabbat. I was in the room with him. It was, it was another opportunity to do a mitzvah, so I figured, well, why not? Unbelievable, I'll tell you. We just had a whole conversation here about a brand new book about Shabbos and, you know, enhancing one Shabbos, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and we speculated, I don't, even know, I don't even remember now if it was on the air or off the air, we speculated that, that everybody on that flight probably thought it would be the worst Shabbos ever, and it turned out, I'm sure, the way you described it, to be one of the best of your life. Absolutely. I mean, we were saving the leftovers of the meal that they didn't serve us and allowed, you know, the breakfast, because we thought maybe, you know, we'll eat a dry bagel over Shabbat and with fruits right. and vegetables or something like that. And it turned out to be unbelievable. But, you know, you have another minute. I'll share you a thought about this. Sure. You have a minute? Sure. Okay, so I'll just tell you what the briefly Vartar that I said is it isn't strange that before, before uh, Hanukkah, we land in Greece. And basically, I said, we, we, the Jews are exiled all over the world in order to collect all the good stuff that, that, that we can learn from different nations. And on a mystical level, there's other things also. But when we left Egypt, we went out with Rehush Kadol, with great bounty, and it's, it's the good things we took out of Egypt. The good things, well, Avram Avinu sent off his other sons, he sent them off with the presents, he gave them good stuff also. We have to raise the sparks. We have to be wherever we are in the world. We have to somehow sanctify, take from them, and sanctify these things. Now, the Greeks are famous for their culinary delights, their philosophy, and the music. And we ate, sang, and learned Torah to be metakein, to fix the culture and, and, and take it into ourselves, and turn it into sparks right before the Festival of Lights. That's yeah. basically the idea. And this is all hinted to in a gematria. Yosef and Sion and uh, Melech Yavan are all the same gematria, 156. 
and the stage of Geula, we learned from Yosef, he learned how to be a politician, an economist, etc. That's the first stage of the redemption, the physical stage. We learn things from other nations, and then we go on to the stage when they learn from us. That's basically the idea that I said. Brilliant, brilliant. Yassi Tadaraba, thank you so much for inspiring us this morning. Pleasure speaking with you. Regards to everyone, and keep up the great work. There he is, Yassi Baumel. He was on that flight. Lands in Athens. Yeah, in Greece, right before Hanukkah, huh? Unbelievable. What would the Greeks of old have said about that group, huh? Sometimes when you're living through miraculous times, it's hard to realize what kind of miracle, in fact, it is and how miraculous it is. More coming up. It's Monday at JM in the AM.